The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. We're not allowed to have fun anymore. So lieu of fun, let's at least not be bored. Come on, pre-chorus. And we're live. It's time it to get is. What is it, Wednesday? May 18th, 2022, 5 o'clock p.m. I'm a little punchy because I just did something I haven't done in two fucking years. I spent an entire day in court watching a trial. Uh, And I have to say, I have been to many trials in my life, and this is the most boring I have ever been to. This is John. Why? Because it is a deeply unimportant question being prosecuted by a uh, with a uh, uh, with uh, what Trump would call low energy in front of a DC jury that could not be uh, that this just cannot be playing well to. This is John Durham's prosecution of Michael Sussman, uh, and I gotta say. Uh, you know, I'm there for it because I'm obsessed with this stuff and I'm bored out of my mind. Um, and so uh, I'm going to be back tomorrow uh, for at least a few hours. And I got to say, I was really happy to leave in time for in lieu of fun. All of this is a long winded way of saying that we are not allowed to have fun anymore. Even when we go try to have fun by going to a trial, the highlight of the day at the trial for me was Mark Elias testifying that he cannot tell an Australian accent from a New Zealand accent, from a South African accent, from a British accent. And uh, that was the best tweet I had of the day that he had confessed this on the stand. Uh, we are, however. <laughs> That's really boring. <laughs> yeah, it's really that boring. Come up, that question. Because uh, he was asked uh, where, what kind of accent Rodney Joffe was had and he said he got had some kind of accent he thinks it was not british but he can't really tell the difference between british accents and all these other commonwealthy kind of accents we aren't allowed to have fun anymore but we are allowed to have mateo caraba nominated by paula to play where's the lie today um uh Audience Where's the Lie continues to be awesome. And Mateo is playing. For those of you who need a refresher on the rules, Mateo's going to tell a story. It might go, well, it'll be, probably be longer than Virginia Heffernan's story, which was three sentences. Um, it will probably be shorter than Dwayne Betts's story, which you know took almost Come the whole on, hour. Though. Dwayne can tell a tale. Like I yeah. felt like that was great. I'm just saying. I'm just talking about the length. You are going to decide whether Mateo's story is true. The definition of true is whether the central fact in the story is true, not whether 
you know, the story can be false, even though 70% of the facts in it are true, if the key fact is made up. Um, and uh, Kate's going to ask Mateo three questions about the story. I'm going to ask Mateo three questions about the story. Three members of the audience, and you should identify yourselves in the ask a question box if you're willing to. We already to. have some tributes, JH. I'm going to bring you on. Yeah, so we're going to we're going to have uh, three members of the audience get to ask three questions, and you all get to discuss the matter in the Greek chorus, and you get to vote. You can change your vote at any time. You'll notice there's a poll up that says, "Is Mateo lying?" 70, he hasn't, he's barely said a word and he's already losing by uh, more than 70%, which is worse than Madison Cawthorn did last night. Um, he Wait, hold is, on, hold on, hold on. Really quickly, mm. can we talk about that? No, at the end of the show, we can't, we can't mm. divert Mateo's big moment onto Madison Cawthorn. That would be, can you imagine how insulting that would be to Mateo? Sorry, it was going to be your show, but we decided to talk about Madison Cawthorn, who's bare, instead of talking, instead of hearing from mm. you, uh, there is one thing you cannot do. You cannot use Wikipedia or other research methods to fact check anything Mateo says. Now, there's nothing I can do to prevent you from doing that. But if you do it, you will know that you suck. All right. Uh, that is. Uh, uh, oh, and at the end of the show, Mateo gets to nominate the next audience member to play audience in lieu of fun. Uh, and we get to talk about. Madison Cawthorn. All right, Mateo, the floor is yours. Spin a tale. All right. So one thing that I don't know that you know, but no one will be surprised to hear about me is that when I was in high school, I was uh, big into history and like world affairs, things like that. And I had a teacher, or rather there was a teacher at my high school who taught a class for several years called um, uh, the U.S. War on Terror. Now, at the end of my sophomore year of high school, this teacher left our school. Uh, and as you'd expect, the class stopped being taught. Uh, but having taken it as a sophomore in high school, along with Avery, who uh, Ben and Kate had the privilege of meeting not long ago, um, he and I got to thinking that it was a real shame that that class was no longer being taught because uh, we were sort of on the generation that was born just after 9-11 and it was, you know, a good thing for people to know and be educated about how that event had come to happen and how, um, uh, you know, all the impact that it had had. Uh, so we petitioned the school and ultimately were allowed to teach the class under supervision of another teacher. Um, and because there weren't a ton of other classes at my high school, um, it morphed from being just about the war on terror to also being kind of like a de facto Middle Eastern studies class, at least insofar as like Middle Eastern US relations and affairs in the past 20 years uh, were concerned. And Avery and I felt that this was a good thing, but also a bit of a bad thing because there's a lot more to that region than just the fallout and lead up to 9-11. So we petitioned the school again to 
do an international trip. This isn't an unusual thing for our high school to do. They had a trip to London, they had a trip to um, the Dominican Republic, um, but for the same reason, the teacher had left, a bunch of them had been discontinued. So to make this part of the story get going, I'll say we were able to convince the school to sponsor a trip to Jordan, um, which ran for the first time spring break of my senior year of high school. So that would have been March, 2019. Uh, and it was a really phenomenal trip. About eight people went. We spent some time in um, in the city. We spent some time by the Dead Sea, and we spent some time. Um, uh, geez, I cannot remember the a port city. Um, but one of the most interesting things we did was we got to do a homestay for three days with. Uh, Bedouin family who lived out in the remote desert of Jordan and I don't know, were like modern Bedouins. I don't know how to put it differently than that. With which remote desert? No idea. Uh, it was the one where um, like sci-fi movies had been shot there, I was told. Uh, can't do better. Wadi Rum? Yes, Wadi Rum. That is exactly where it was. Uh, and the um, I remember there was something about how I think the King of Jordan had had like a, a cameo in, in Star Trek or something. Yeah, like well, that. one of the Star Wars movies was filmed there. Yeah, um, I guess the King is a big fan of, of all that stuff. So we get to um, these Bedouin camps and it just sort of looks like a regular village. Uh, people are driving around in, actually invariably in uh, Toyota Hiluxes uh, from like 20 years ago. Uh, they're rusted almost all the way through and like it's really clear right away that there's no driving age in this village. Um, when we were dropped off, we'd get like all of the eight of us on the trip got pointed at and then plopped into a different Hilux uh, that was driven away. Um, in a couple of cases, it was driven away by like children who had like stuff on their feet to be able to press the accelerator. And they were driving like stick shift. Uh, and they would drive you out to the little house where you'd be doing your, your homestay for a few days. Uh, and none of us knew Arabic. That's an important thing to uh, introduce at this point in the story. Um, and not only did none of us know Arabic, but because the trip was organized by this trip company that thought that electronics and phones were unethical or ruined the joy of travel or whatever, uh, none of us had brought our cell phones to Jordan either. And so we were all- What year was what, this? 2019. Does that count as a question? No, no, no. The, uh, clarifying interruptions along the way do not count. These are just, they're part of the right. story. Um, but mm -hmm. wait a minute. So were you still in high school at this point? Senior spring. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And where was it? So we all get partitioned off and we're going to be spending three days living with these Bedouin families. We'll you know, go through their chores with them. We'll um, just 
basically do what they ask us. But because no one speaks Arabic on the trip, we're kind of at the mercy of like uh, our ability to pantomime to each other and and you know use dictionaries and things. I remember I had a dictionary with me, but it was um, I hadn't realized until we got there that it was a picture dictionary, and so it only had nouns in it, and I couldn't like express verbs or things like that. I could just I don't know, announce things, but couldn't get any sort of sophisticated meaning. Uh, so the first day was a lot of sitting around because I, I have no idea why, actually. I was just sitting in, what is that? Is that the moon rising? Is that the, oh, that's actually, so that's the thing that Trump and they all, the orb, right? Uh, well, it is a glowing orb. It's not the same glowing orb, but it is a glowing orb. And I just thought I would see if I could uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, throw you off your game by well, raising a glowing orb into the screen at the time while you were talking. So you're getting ahead of me a little bit. All uh, right, go for it. So the second night of three that we're supposed to spend there, it's another day of sitting cross-legged on the floor of this family's house, unable to tell them anything. They fed me really, really well, um, but I couldn't say anything at all to them. And I just sort of watched the dad smoke all day. Um, but then as it got into the evening um, and the light started to go down, uh, the father in this family, and it was just a father, a wife and a young boy who uh, I don't remember his name. He was not really, he's a bit of a non-entity. It's light starting to go down and the father points to me and he said, as like, uh, uh, um, and eventually I realized he's trying to say car uh, and through a lot of pointing and gesturing, waving and shoving and gesticulating, he gets me to get into the um, the passenger seat of his car. I right before I left, I grabbed my backpack and I grabbed my uh, dictionary, and these two things together were like everything I had in the country. Um, oh, and I also had a little Samsung iPod uh, because you couldn't have any electronics that had like a touch screen, but you could have a little thing on shuffle. Um, and all that was on it was um, like Shakira and other like Spanish pop singers um, because I'd been trying to work on my Spanish uh, at the time and thought that listening to Spanish music would be a fun way to do it. So we go in this truck and he drives to the village next door and we watch uh, like probably five minutes down the street and we watch some gentleman uh, put down tile for a floor. Uh, we watched that for like an hour and a half silently. And then he says, car, car again. And gestures for me to get back in the car and it's like, okay, uh, we're gonna go to bed now. This is." Uh, probably like 8.30, 9 p.m. or whatever equivalent sunlight thing. Uh, and we're going to go back to the village and go to sleep. 
But as he's driving back, he speeds past the exit to the village that we had gone into um, and keeps going. I was like, oh, maybe he's just going to go and, I don't know, get something. Maybe he's taking a long route back. Um, I, I didn't think much of it at the time. But I quickly became concerned, or slowly rather, because he kept driving in this one direction for like an hour and a half. Uh, and it went from the sun starting to set to pitch dark in the desert really quickly. And he drove on a barely paved road deep into the sand with uh, no landmarks or signs or anything at all. Um, just into the dark of the Jordanian desert. Um, and eventually he looks at me, sort of prods me, because I'm just being like, I wonder what we're doing. I bet we're going to turn around soon. This is getting a little bit strange. We're going to be late. Um, and I'm listening to the little Spanish pop music, and I'm just trying not to think about things. And, and just to be clear, is this on a road, or is he now off-road into the red sands no, of the Wadi Rum Desert. I mean, it's halfway between a road and not a road. It's like... It's a, like an unpaved... At, but like some, sometimes at, in those, in those trucks, you know, people will just take off into Wadi Rum itself, right? Mm -hmm. Into the... into the. But you were... We were on, on a road. We were on... You were on a road. We were on something that people had been driving on a lot. At, okay. Sometimes it was paved, sometimes it was bits of gravel, sometimes it was just like flat sand, but we were on a path that we were supposed to be on. And as one hour turns to two and he's not saying anything to me, um, I'm starting to get kind of concerned because I'm being driven out into the middle of the desert um, with a man who I met 24 hours previously and I can't speak his language. I don't understand anything at all about this. But I'm also sort of chiding myself for being kind of concerned uh, because I thought that that wasn't very like politically correct of myself. I thought that like, no, come on, Mateo, like you shouldn't be concerned just because you're being this nice. You're being cause... racist. This is offensive just because he's uh, Middle Eastern and it's the middle of the night and you don't speak the language and he's driving you into the desert doesn't mean that's anything you should be concerned about. And I was just sort of repeating that to myself. And then he points sort of out to the horizon and says, uh, Saudi, Saudi, Saudi. And I said, oh, yeah, uh, Saudi Arabia. That's very like, yeah. And he says, uh, uh, uh. And then I can't remember what the name was, but he said his wife's name. I recognized it because I'd been introduced to the wife when we went into the, the homestay. Um, and then he says, uh, Mecca. Uh, so he's, I think he's trying to tell me that that was where he and his wife had gone for like to Mecca. Um, and I'm like, okay, cool. So we're, that's what that direction is. That's neat. And I'm, yeah, good to know what which way Saudi Arabia is. But he keeps going and then says it again a couple more times and 
we must have been driving for two and a half hours. Um, yeah, he's taking we... you across the border at this point. Well, I mean the 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 border is really close there. So he's we've drive we're driving for probably like two hours, and we make our first stop, and it's at this brick house that's kind of falling apart, and there's an uh, oil truck outside of this house. And he pulls up right next to it, and then he stops, and then gets out of the car and fills up his Toyota from the uh, tanker. And then he uh, fills a bunch of gas tanks that he had in the back of the pickup truck, and then gets back in the car. Then he drives another like two minutes up the road where there's a guy sitting in a tent uh, whom he pays just some amount of money. I can't quite see what. Um, and then keeps driving. At this point, and there's Does he like, keep driving in the same direction, same direction or has he turned around? No, same direction. Okay. And yeah, it's been like a bit of a winding thing. But at this point, there is on the horizon all of these bright orange lights. Uh, and then he says, Saudi, Saudi. I'm like, yeah, Saudi. He's like, no, Saudi, and it becomes clear to me that it's the Saudi Arabian border. Um, and he says, uh, uh, 500 meter. Um, so we're that far from the Saudi border. Uh, and I'm starting to see things like appear, like for this two hour drive, there was nothing at all on either side of the road. There were no trees, there was no structures except for the uh, gas cart that he filled up at but then there's this little house and he parks in front of it uh and goes into the back of his uh pickup takes um a box a cardboard box i don't know uh what was in it and then places it in front of like this open construction site uh, then he gets back in the car and turns around. I have had no explanation of what we were going. It's still completely opaque to me why we drove out there or what was in the box or any of that stuff. And then we just go back and I'm feeling a lot better about it. I'm like, okay, we just clearly had to drop off this box to his friend near the Saudi Arabian border. It's not a big deal, it's not anything. But he starts going back in a way that I didn't recognize. And that's pretty clear right away because we'd been on one road, no turns the entire time. Um, but on the way back, he like takes the other side of a fork and starts going somewhere that I don't recognize at all. And there's a lot more buildings for a lot longer uh, but then pretty soon it goes back to desert and then he does go off road and like just steers into the sand of Wadi Rum. Then he parked and he points at me and he just says like, like gestures to get out of the car, like out, out of the car and being concerned again, because we're in the middle of the sandy desert, why would he want me to just get out of the car for no reason? Um, 
I grabbed my backpack and he put his hand on my hand as I grabbed my backpack, just because like, I'm thinking to myself, if I have to run, if I need to go call someone, if I need to like, I, I don't even know what, I have like a notebook and uh, like and a flashlight was, in the backpack. And what was around you when, when this happened? So like, like what was the distinguishing feature of where you stopped? Nothing, sand. Sand what color was the sand? Oh, it was I night. Could, you like tell. gray. It was night. Yeah, there was sand for as far as you could see in every direction. So he stops the car on like a section of road that's like not really road. It's pretty much off road, and I go to take my backpack because I don't know if I'm if I have to run or if there's something that's going on. Um, I want to have my water bottle or my flashlight, things like that, and he puts his hand on my hand as I'm grabbing my backpack and like goes like that. He's like, leave the backpack. And I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to put it on. So I like threw it on kind of forcefully on the way out of the car. Like I, I don't, the fact that he didn't want me to take it made me feel a little bit more like I should for whatever reason. Um, and he points out into the sand and indicates for me to walk out that way. And I do. Let me guess, he wants you to see the sky without light. So he does start pointing up and then starts to go back into his car as though like he's getting ready to go. Then he does something in his car and then he goes to the other side of the car and like walks off in the opposite side of the sand um like pretty far like away from me we're on opposite sides of the car he's walking and then i can tell he's going to the bathroom um out in the sand and as he's doing this and he's walking back to the car uh, another car sort of speeds up down this like quasi road um, and he gets in their way in front of them and like waves his hands, makes them stop, all these things. And then just starts yelling and talking to the drivers of this car. Um, then he goes back to his car, gets uh, like, it was like a a brown box, but like wrapped in paper, um, about the size of like four books, uh, and like two hundred dinar, um, or two big bills of dinar. I don't know how much, uh, and hands it to the people who just sort of happened upon us. Uh, and then he goes to get back in the car. I'm standing right next to the car, not wanting him to speed off without me. Um, but as I go to get back in the car, he stops me and says, no, you're not getting back in the car, or at least gestures with that signification. And points at the other guys who I've never seen before. And they indicate for me to get in their car but in the back to sit in the like pickup portion and then they like 
are just speaking at me and then they realize that I don't speak um, Jordanian or excuse me, Arabic. Uh, my driver yells something at them. They yell something back. And then with me in the back of their pickup truck, speed off backwards towards the Saudi border. Then we're driving with them for, I don't know how long, uh, probably at least an hour. Um, and I'm just sort of muttering to them, like the name of the village that we were supposed to come from, which was Twasey. And they kind of laugh at me and point every time that I would say that. Uh, and then they, geez, I'm trying to remember, like, Ultimately, we get on like decently paved and clear road, and they asked me or forced me or gesture for me to get out of the back of the van and get onto the road. And then they point and say, Twicey, uh, in one direction, and then speed off. And so at this point, then I'm alone. I can't imagine how late at night in the middle of the Jordanian desert with like a direction and uh, their word for what uh, village I'm supposed to go to. Knowing not anything else to do, I just started walking and an hour and a half later, uh, recognized the entrance to the village that we'd come from and then walked into our uh, homestay and uh, proceeded with the trip. No one was back the next morning or in a couple hours later, the dad arrived back, uh, really loudly. And then, um, when we all gathered with our school group, we shared stories of the previous night and the chaperones decided that we would be leaving, uh, that village a day early. Did, did they believe you when you told this story? They did. And there were others from other students. Avery, for example, was in like a drag race, uh, like in the passenger seat <laughs> of eight-year-olds drag racing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then uh, other things happened. All right. Is that the end of the story? That's the end of the story. Wow. All right. Well, uh, I will note that uh, 59.5% believe that Matteo is lying, uh, which is down from 70%. Oh, now it's, now it's down to 52%, 51, 50%. So there's a heavy shift in the direction of the truth of this story. KK, do you want to start or should I? I'll start. I, I want to know. Um, I was how scared terrified. you were. I was like, I was really freaking out. And when he, like, when we were driving back from the Saudi border, I was feeling a lot better because I was like, this is just him taking a really, really unusual route to get gas. Um, but when he pulled into the sand and then told me to get out of the car and made me leave my backpack or tried to make me leave my backpack in the car 
like my heart sank. And I was like, oh my God, I have no idea what's about to happen to me. Um, and then when I was in the other group's vehicle, I, I had no idea what to think at all. Tell me about Wadi Rum. Uh, what what were your impressions of the place and uh, and uh, the Bedouin communities there? I mean, you've described some of it, but mm -hmm. um, but uh, uh, what was it like other than uh, rather young Bedouin kids? Um, uh, uh, driving around in pickup trucks? Well, like it wasn't what I had thought that it might be, which is to say people in tents. It was people in uh, like cinder block homes, which were invariably unfinished uh, and like half paved roads. And there was even like a little supermarket but just everything was on the floor and it was on you to uh, leave money in a cup by the door. Uh, so it was not like these people were like several generations away from being like actual nomads. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was interesting and nice and other people had fun experiences in the, in the village. Wadi Rum was gorgeous. I mean, uh, probably one of the most beautiful places yeah, that ever been or will be tell again. Me, tell like, me about that. Yeah, I mean, red like, sand, just... rocks. Uh, there was this one that was like a red rock arch. Uh, we got to do a lot of climbing on rocks, not like sophisticated climbing, but just people walking up big piles of boulders or at other periods of time, it would just be driving out into just sand. At one point, there were people uh, surfing down a huge mound of sand, uh, which didn't go so excellently, but people tried. Um, yeah, it looked like Mars. It was really red sand, a, a really amazing environment. Okay, we have to kind of, we're at 34 minutes, and like we have nine, well, mm. uh, 13 questions to get through, because Ben and I have two more and daniel av and jh have have three each jh mm. get us started you're muted Unmute i'll unmute you dude. there you go all right great so uh, maybe this is the obvious question but what was the reaction of the school supervision to this story and why didn't they get a better answer as to what the fuck happened i mean they got a pretty good answer which what was, was it what I just told you guys. And there were some other extreme occurrences there. Uh, the school's response was like, next time we hold this trip, maybe we'll skip the part with but the nobody homestays. talked to the dad and was like, what did you do with Mateo? There wasn't like the teachers from our school didn't speak Arabic even. There was one chaperone from a trip company, um, but even he was sort of like, we'll just not come back. Like he was, there was no yelling at these people over it. It was more of a like, now we know. Okay. Daniel? Daniel? 
Um, what were the other extreme occurrences that you just mentioned? Uh, drag racing by like prepubescence uh, is one. Um, and uh, I'm going to leave the others not retold. Um, Any particular just, reason for that? Um, I think that people involved wouldn't want me to talk about them. Ev? Okay. Ev? Ev is inaudible, Kate. Yeah, I'm I fixed her. Oh, oh no. ah. great. Awesome. I was looking for a good button. Um, can you tell me about the parents' meeting before going to Jordan? <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of them, and a lot of parents were really apprehensive. And uh, I don't know that mine even would have uh, let me go had it not been something that Avery and I had helped organize. Um, there, but there was a lot of, there was like six parent sessions of like, here's what's going to happen. Here's uh, why we really trust the trip company. Here's testimonials from a school in Massachusetts that went to a similar place. Um, and here's all the reasons it should be safe. Um, but it was an uphill fight for uh, all the parents to sign off. Ben, you go next. So I'm interested in what your theory is in retrospect about what happened that evening. Was he just trying to get gas? I have, Was he trying to show you the Saudi border? Was he trying to scare the living shit out of you? What was the, when you reconstruct the events in your mind, what do you think was happening? He hadn't left the house at all in the previous 36 hours that I'd been with him. And I think his thought was like, I've got this kid, I might as well do something with him. And this is my and this is just what I was going to do tonight. Um, the piece of well, what the, is that like, like dump yeah, what you was with the it other that you to do the night? other car coming have, back? That I have no understanding of what that was like. I have no uh, concept of what was going. I mean, they dropped off a heavy looking box at a construction site near the Saudi Arabian border. Um, and they'd been doing construction near the village that we were staying in. So maybe he had to drop off something. I don't know. KK? Do you think that he understood more English than he let on? Not a chance. Why? Like, because, like, I mean, he would have just been really committing to a bit that inconvenienced both of us for the previous day and a half. Um, and I have no idea why, like communicating like, where's the bathroom or um, uh, I don't know when is like things like that were so difficult. Uh, I can't imagine why he would, uh, I don't know, keep 
secret English knowledge uh, hidden. John. Okay. Um, were there any firearms in evidence anywhere along Good this question. path? Um, do firearms count? Do you mean also like any type of explosives or anything? Well, let's ask about no explosives. Too, I remember there was like a bunch of deconstructed objects in the back of the second um, uh, truck that I was in. Like, be more like a uh, bunch of no, 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 more like wrenches and tools and things like that that were just sort of sitting there, like an oil can. And I vaguely remember seeing like what I had kind of thought was like um, the barrel of a gun, but there was definitely not a whole gun, and I'm not certain that that was what that was. So no brandishing. No, no brandishing. And, and relatedly, nobody threatened you, right? They might have. I didn't uh, 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 understand anything as such. Um, I was instructed, and but I didn't really get an or else sort of feeling. Like, you know, don't get back in the car was a pretty clear signal. Um, go there was a clear signal, but there was no like or else. Daniel? How did you raise the funds for this trip? You mentioned there were also eight other people. Mm -hmm. uh, so part of it was uh, like students would pay for it. Part of it was the school uh, would pay for it in part. And then part uh, was a grant from like a global studies program in Hartford. Ev? Um, having done such trips, uh, I know that like the chaperone become kind of important in the group. Like you talk to them a lot. Can you describe the chaperone? Sure. There were two guys, uh, Kevin and Muhammad. Kevin um, is a wiry uh, Californian um, who picked up Arabic in college and was just big into travel and all that. Muhammad was Jordanian and lived in Germany, I believe, and both became chaperones through this uh, trip company that helped organize the thing. Um, it, it was interesting that I remember that um, as soon as anyone saw Muhammad, they quickly ignored Kevin um, because they thought that even though he had really good Arabic, like there's no sense talking to this like white guy from LA when we could talk to Muhammad, who's clearly like from here and speaks this as a first language but i'm confused now why okay. why was this was this is not my last question this is a clarifying question on okay. Ev's. Okay. um well uh if you said none of the teachers had arabic but if the uh chaperone actually... did, why was there no communication about what the hell happened to mateo and with the drag racing last night I'm not sure I understand this line of questioning. Like, so you're asking why the next day um, people who were with us weren't like saying to the parents, like, how could you be so irresponsible? Stuff like that. No, just more like what 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 went down last night? Were you uh, was this a, a night stargazing thing or a? Oh, you, you know, mean like were they asking 
um, were they asking, asking the homestay people like, so what? Where, what did Mateo do last night? Or don't like, hey, Mateo was pretty scared last night. What were you guys up to? So, two answers to this. One is part of the stuff that I'm choosing not to tell were, in a sense, bigger fish to fry, uh, and so that drew. Uh, concern away from my particular experience. Uh, and the other was like, there may have been some like asking about it, but very quickly it was like, just a gap in how they thought about it, I guess. Like, like it seemed like they'd be like, what the hell was that? And like, what do you even mean? Like it was a perfectly normal night. Is my sense of it from what I heard at the time. KK? All right, I'll, I'll, I'll take my last question since KK is uh, I mean, yeah, go, go stroking after, her beard. Go for your last question. I'm still kind of thinking. I'm trying to like, the amount of detail in this story, I'll just say, is like really throwing me because I just like, if you're making it up, it feels like it has to be because it's somebody else's story. Um, and so you're just kind of like, you've heard it. And so you're kind of like transposing it or something. Um, anyway, so, go ahead, Ben. Yeah, so I want to... Uh, uh, a little better understanding of the Saudi border issue. Um, is your impression that you never crossed the Saudi border? Uh, That's my impression. But surely there is a better, a closer place to get gas than driving two hours into the night to a tanker truck on the Saudi border, particularly because if you crossed the Saudi border, gas is free. Um, I mean, this gas seemed like close to free. Or actually, I don't know. I don't know what he did in the tent, but like. But your impression was that he paid for it. My impression was that he like, he got it. And then he went a little up the road and interacted with someone which might have been paying for it. And I he did more I than suspect fill, was paying for it. So he did more than, and he did more than fill up his own he, pickup yeah, he truck. Took a he lot. filled up some tankers within. Yes. So he was getting cheap Saudi gas to bring back to his village. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Did you have a feeling that did you have a feeling at any point that they were trying, that they were, did you have a feeling at any point that they were trying to manipulate the fact that you were American? Meaning what? Meaning that they were like doing this to you to like haze you or that this was like, did any of this, like, was there any kind of laughter or kind of like snickering or anything? Yes, of towards the end in the second car when they left me out and made me walk a distance in the night. Okay. That I feel like was definitely what that was. Okay. Jay. Okay. So Mateo, this is going to be maybe a little difficult, but, but try to put yourself in the mindset 20 or 30 years from now, when you have some teenage kids, 
and assume the geopolitical situation and the standard of living in Jordan has not changed significantly. Would you let your 18-year-old son, daughters aside, because that's complicated, uh, participate in a similar trip? And if so, what safeguards would you apply? I think I would. I would. I mean, you have to, I guess it sort of depends a little bit on the kid, but I would insist on a phone being available, a flip phone, if nothing else. Would you include that a sat phone? I, yeah, definitely. A sat phone would be good. Like, I, why would I exclude yeah. a sat? But like, that seems to me a bit of an error in planning in retrospect that we all had to leave our phones in Connecticut. Would they have worked? I've better than yelling, probably. I mean, no, I think they you... would not have worked in in the in the. I have brought a phone to that part of Wadi Rum, uh, relatively near the Saudi border, and they do not work. I mean, I think like, you need a thousand dollars a day rental phone. You get no phone. bars at all. In thirty years, when I have teenage children, hopefully that that's the technology is there that we have phones. Yeah, that, that... Elon Musk will have solved that problem by then. Yeah. Daniel, your final question. I'm I'm ready to vote, so I'll I'll pass on the question. No, I, man. I mean, use your question. So 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 confident your, that he's just like, use your question, dude. If only to to well, and also because we got eleven more minutes. We you, hmm. you, I, I we have a fourth question. There are other. Know. You can give your question to John. Okay, so this this is mostly to your credibility, um, but how close was the opportunity for you to teach the class with A to not happening? Like, how many other pairs of students had asked to teach classes and been denied? Or was I don't know that anyone had ever asked, but I do know that we were the first ones allowed to do it. And subsequently, I don't believe it has happened again. Ev? Um, so no classes like of Arabic before leaving, no singular. I was classes. at, well, that's, I had been taking Arabic. Uh, I took it in the fall of my senior year and I was in the middle of Arabic two in the spring of my senior year. I was taking it at the university of Hartford, which was right next to my high school, but I did not learn a word of Arabic. That's not true. I learned like three words of Arabic. Um, but for the rest of the class, it was just like this wacky Palestinian guy who would tell us about like his adventures as a teenager stealing chickens from his uh, neighbors. And with that. What are we, we what's your vote, Ben? What's your vote? Oh, no, Hang no. On, I... Ben, can you clarify this central conceit rule, which you, it sounded like was a little different than previously? No, it's just a very, like, it's just the, the, the question is, is the core of the story true? And we will define the core of the story with Matteo. At, at the conclusion. No, no, I interpret, just to be clear, Matteo, I interpret the core of this story. Was Matteo either abducted or taken on a trip, depending on your perspective, by his Jordanian uh, Bedouin host family, 
driven out to the Saudi border. Look at those to, eyes, Ben. With those eyes, to, We're, to, look at to those. fill up with gas, and then left at the taken back in a different car, left at the side of the road, and walked his way back uh, to the village. I take that to be the core of the story. Is that fair, Mateo? That feels like a pretty fine point to put on it. Yeah. So to put it a little story. differently, Ben, any lie has to be substantive. Yes, well, there's a materiality rule. If, if, and you know, if if the exact same story took place, but it took place in Botswana, it's not true. Um, but it has to be, you know. But if the same story took place, but it's in a Hyundai pickup truck, not a Toyota, that uh, we're not going to pick nits about that. Okay, Ben, what do you vote? Well. I, all right, let me, I have to work through this in my own head for a minute. I'm going to do it out loud. Um, a lot of this story is true. Um, Mateo has definitely been to Wadi Rum. He uh, has knowledge that is specific that he can't have picked up. For example, the idea that there's a lot of detritus of previously whole objects um, that have been deconstructed and the pieces are lying around everywhere is true not just of Wadi of the Bedouin communities in Wadi Rum where they really they really recycle everything. Uh, uh, it's it just ring that rings really true to me. Um, He's described the landscape very accurately. Um, he has described the fact that everybody drives around in pickup trucks, including some very underage people. That is all uh, I can I can uh, I can vouch for all of that. He's described the look of the community that these are, you know, 70, 80 percent built cinder block houses that are, constantly in uh, in various stages of being built. That is accurate. Uh, and he's described uh, aspects of the day-to-day uh, -day world uh, accurately as well. So I, I think he's clearly been there. And uh, the question becomes, um, is this like, did he just go there and that's the part of the story is true, but the crux of the story is false. Uh, is that where the lie is or is the story basically true? And uh, I am going to go uh, with that the story is basically true for the following reasons. I think the, uh, the psychology of this uh, from the uh, uh, father's point of view was that he didn't want to leave Mateo home uh, with uh, a, a small child and his wife because that would be improper. Um, and I think Mateo was taken along for the father's work because it was improper to leave him at home. Um, and I think the story is basically true and it reflects no malice on anybody's part the guy probably had other business to do. And so he met friends and asked them to take Mateo home. And they did. 
Um, and that is my read on the situation. But I wouldn't be wholly surprised if either, uh, if it turned out to be a, uh, 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 like Mateo had described being in Wadi Rum accurately, and then uh, the rest was a gag. I'll save mine. J.H., you go ahead. Okay, so uh, I think Mateo is a pretty humble guy, but he's also prideful. He really, really wants to win. But more than that, he wants to tell us a true story and fool us into claiming that it's a lie because the book of his life is like a treatment for a movie. Maybe like <laughs> a remake of Three Kings. I should have asked if there was any gold in the story. Um, and, but, and there's no indicia of falsehood anywhere. So really, this is... I think our evaluation is not based on the story so much as based on psychoanalysis of Matteo. And so <laughs> normally I, I, I would 70% of the time say it's a lie. Uh, I'm going to say it's true, but I, I don't have confidence in it, but I think it's what Matteo would want to do. Okay, Daniel. Um, Daniel, so you were so I, confident in... I largely I agree. Um, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the other way than I am guessing. But <laughs> given that you attacked Ben's line of questioning, that makes me think you were lying. Which line of questioning? Oh, you mean the thing? Okay. F. Uh, I think it's basically true, uh, except from the fact that uh, you were afraid. I think that you understood everything. And like, yeah, like it, the trip, it, everything was clear, well, exactly like this, but you weren't afraid because you know what was happening. I just want to be super clear that now it is my turn to give this. And I have now come 180 degrees from where I was like a second ago in which, and well, if I just like listen to this story by Mateo, and this is why juries are so screwed up by the way mm. uh that like no i'm serious like i just like listened to this and i was like oh yeah like he wouldn't have made up all of this stuff and then like everyone gave their explanations of reasoning and i was like maybe i don't understand anything maybe this isn't true um and so uh i now vote uh i'm now going to to just guess and i'm gonna say that um mateo's lying um but for the opposite reasons, but this, the same psychology principles that JH said, but different, but coming out in an opposite way. So, Mateo, what's the, what's the deal? Wait, wait, wait. Audience, this is your last chance to vote. Mateo oh, has right. gone from 70%, 72% thinking he's lying to 65% uh, saying he's telling the truth. So, Mateo, you have swayed the audience. Is their faith misplaced? A little. Uh, the story is basically true, except it ends earlier than it did. Uh, he did drive me out. He did get uh, gasoline. And then he did stop. But then he just gestured at the stars and was like, clearly being like, oh, how beautiful. And then we got back in. The, there was no second car. There was no uh, walk back to our village. Uh, there was no uh, disassembled objects in the back of the second pickup truck because there was no second pickup truck. Um, 
very good. But there is true truth in the fact that I was a little bit very frightened on a lot of that trip. Sounds like the lies material. I think, think, yeah, but it's an interesting question whether this counts as like on the whole a lie or like if you would like, is this the, you know, the the question in the poll is, is Mateo lying? Well, see, Um, here's the thing. I feel like you guys spent a lot less time than I expected you to on the part that was false, namely walking back for an hour to this village. Yeah, because we were all kind of operating on the assumption that the story was either true or false, rather. So, like, Paula's been in the chat arguing that the entire, the crux of the story is entirely false. And it's actually the crux of the story is sort of like 50-50, right? What do you think, Ev, is, is... who who wins this? The people who voted that he's lying, or the people? I want to say that there's a poll on this right now. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's all vote. Um, oh, who's changing the uh, earlier <laughs> poll? That's not allowed. That's yeah. not allowed. That is true. Not allowed. No, but Mario did definitely won. Like, yeah. Wait. All what? Right. Wait, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how you. He, how he, he lied to us. Oh, not, us. he didn't win with me though. I voted. Oh, no, you. <laughs> That's all that all matters. Right. But let's. We got to wrap up. But let's let's ask Mateo. Who are you nominating for the next audience? Where's the lie? It can't be somebody who's done it before. Has Daniel gone? No. <gasps> I'm Daniel, happy to do it. it. Daniel, yes. you are hereby nominated. But Daniel will be, it'll be like the briefest story that anyone's ever yes, told. Yes, I plan to keep it to three sentences. Yeah. All <laughs> right, Daniel, you are uh, hereby nominated. Um, uh, how about a week from today? Sounds good. All right. We will be back then. A week from today with Daniel playing Where's the Lie? Uh, And we'll be back on Friday with something or other. Uh, And until then, Kate? We're not allowed to have fun anymore, but we are um, allowed to travel to Jordan again. Yeah, by the way, guys, go to Wadi Rum. It's like one of the... Oh, I have a photo of myself at the Saudi border, actually. (laughs) I'll find it first. It's... The Wadi Rum is one of the great. You can post it on the internet. Great, yeah. like spots to go to for a few days, and uh, you know you can. It's really beautiful. It's otherworldly. It does look like Mars, and yeah, you can't see any of it. Yeah, um, that's. I was just gonna that, say, like, that. that's just you at a drive-in, Mateo. That doesn't <laughs> yeah. look like. That doesn't look like a. That's just you in the dark. Yeah, okay. This is taken on the dad. This is a picture of me in the desert at night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that <is> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> see you Friday, people. <laughs>